Hello, everyone. You've got a pose in a matrix here. This is Dave. Hello, Eric, and hello, Jim. Hello. Hi. Hi. How guys doing? Good. Good. Good deal. Uh, so we got three of us tonight. Uh, Brian um, won't be with us tonight. There's a medical issue that's happening in his family, and uh, he's got to tend to that. And those things are always more important than a radio show. So I gave him our blessings and told us that uh, I told him that you know we'd be talking <clears throat> about you know, just the rudimentary things like I just did and that asking uh, the audience to be in prayer about that. Yeah. Him and his, uh, he and his wife. Uh, so anyway, um, it's been a wild and crazy week here. Um, we were just, I was just talking with the guys. Uh, I live in, um, I guess, uh, if you were to look going north to south, kind of central, but I live in some place called the Willamette Valley, which is basically the, uh, the place where all the Californians with bad intentions tend to move. And uh, I'm not one of them. Thank you very much. But, uh, and, uh, so it's a very liberal part of Oregon. You go over on the other side of the Cascades, it's all conservative, except for Bend. And they're trying to take that over. The liberals are, but anyway, um, so we, uh, uh, it was, I think it was Monday night. I can't, oh yeah, it was Monday night. Cause we, the radio show went down. Um, and our apologies for that, by the way, but, you know, that was totally out of our control. Uh, the winds were whipping through here, probably 30, 40, maybe they said gusting up to 50. And uh, power lines were going down everywhere. I don't know who basically is in charge of putting up power poles in Oregon, but uh, they, they do a really bad job. And uh, so, well... Uh, Every time I turn around, you know, I was getting an alert that wires were down, you know, in our little town of Sweet Home that's down the road here. And um, and that was sparking little fires. They would put them out right away. But uh, the big one started in a little place called Blue River, the one that affects us. Anyway, there's another one up north that's threatening Salem and Portland. And I I actually do have empathy for those people, um, even though they're, they're, they're liberal in nature. I, I have empathy for them after what we've been through. But anyway, so the show ended about 14 minutes into the show. We, we lost power and everything went down. And I, I, I thought, well, you know, I better call Jim and let him know, you know, so I called him and I says, I don't know if you guys are still talking, if the show's still going on, but uh, you're probably talking to dead air. And so, you know, we, we shut it down anyway. Uh, so that night uh, we had what, I could best describe as an ash blizzard. Um, it was blowing ash in, and it's, we didn't know that, about the other fire that was closer. And, and we thought it was uh, the fire over at Mount Jefferson, which is about 130, 140 miles away. And I'm like, wow, wind can pick up, you know, big pieces of ash and blow it that far. That's incredible. And, and I said, but nothing's impossible, you know. So anyway, um, and then uh, we came in and uh, we got a, a flash alert telling us that, uh, you know, that we were being placed in a, they had three designations, red, yellow, or excuse me, let's go from the lowest, uh, green, amber, and uh, red. Green was uh, get ready, uh, amber was set, and uh, <laughs> and red was go. Um, so we, uh, we kind of waited around until it turned amber around here and decided to, to go uh, making trips back and forth every once in a while to, t to tend to the house to make sure it was still here and and um, the water stuff and things like that. But um, 
anyway, uh, we, we just came back today. I'm glad to be back. We're, <laughs> you never realize what you have, even if you, you, you don't think it's, it's, if you don't think it's something that you like, like if you have your house, you think, oh, you know, I live in this little house. We don't have enough room and stuff like that. When you uh, are thinking that maybe you're going to go home to a, a heap of ashes, you uh, you learn to, to respect what you have and to, to love what the Lord has given you. And uh, thank God we didn't have to learn it the hard way. Um, our little hovel, um, our little town is was spared, but uh, there's towns. Jim, I hate the report, but Detroit, Mich- Detroit, um, uh, Oregon is basically a heap of ashes right now, and uh, so. Detroit, Oregon. Yeah, there's a Detroit, Oregon, and uh, it's it's no longer. <laughs> it's it's gone. Like, I guess Satan would like to burn De- uh, Detroit, Michigan out, so I guess he. Took the next best choice and yeah. tried something else. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's it, terrible. It's a shame, you know. A lot of people have. Yeah. But I got to tell you, my uh, I think it was I mean it was Brian that sent it to me. Somebody sent me a video and it was like from uh, satellite in space, and it showed the outline of California. Um, it was dark, and lo and behold, these little blue and green beams were coming from outer space and hitting places in Oregon and uh, and uh, California and stuff like that. And uh, by golly, that's where the fire started. Um, but, you know, one of the things that I'd like to address tonight, guys, if it's okay, is that uh, um, I know for a fact. Now, if you go to Facebook, you're going to right away, it says police debunk any Antifa activity in the, the fires. You know, well, I went to an Antifa website where they were claiming it, that they were lighting them. Okay, and it was to to make people aware of the environmental crisis we were having of global warming. (laughs) Now, how stupid is that? that You're going to create more pollution in a week's time than, you know, humanity might create in five years. Um, by lighting stuff on fire. And anyway, you know, they, they did totally defy definition anyway. But um, so they were claiming it uh, down in Medford, which had a lot of destruction. That's a pretty big town down there. Um, they uh, uh, supposedly arrested 11 Antifa members for lighting fires. Okay. Yep. Um, they're... Uh, just the other, uh, just a few hours ago, we were looking at Facebook. We we have the community Facebook here, and um, supposedly there's a guy. Um, and if you're from Sweet Home and you're listening to this, pay attention. Um, or Brownsville, for that matter. Um, there's a guy in a white Nissan pickup truck with a black cap on it that's running around trying to start fires everywhere. And uh, I don't know if he's Antifa or if he's just some kind of firebug, but I hope the police catch him soon. The sheriff's looking, is just going door to door asking people if they've seen or know, or know who owns the truck. So um, the, the cops are being very uh, proactive in this, as are the fire crews. Um, Kate Brown came to the rescue about four days too late. Uh, you know, she's, uh, never mind, I don't want to go into that. <laughs> Jim and I were talking about making comparisons to Nero fiddling while Rome burned. You know, now now she's trying to be the uh, the heroine and all this. 
And, uh, you know, oh, yeah, well, I've called in this. I've I've contacted the president about that, you know, and the whole nine yards. And um, so it's just a mess. And it's, you know, it's going to be over with. And and I don't think we're in any peril here, praise the Lord. But, um, you know, I just feel bad for the people that have lost stuff and um, houses. And, you know, with the, the whole um, pandemic going on, you know, people were laid off and then, as an insult to injury, now they've lost their homes. And, uh, you know, it's just a, a, it's a crying shame that all this is going on. 2020 has been one heck of a year for a lot of people, man. I'm telling you. It has. It's been life changing for everyone. Oh, man. <clears throat> so anyway, I just wanted to get that out. You know, that, um, I think, you know, I think Antifa is behind a lot of it. Um, from what I've read and, uh, but right away, it's funny, right away, Facebook, Twitter, um, all the main news sources, uh, well, you know, it's, it's fake news that if you try to ascribe, uh, Antipa as having light lit these fires, it's it almost, it's almost before the accusations made that they're coming out and saying this. It's like, okay, so why are you trying to, you know, it's almost like they're trying to ignite the fire, you know, or, you know, of a public opinion. By saying it, you know, and it's it's just really weird that they're they're denouncing it before it's even come to a lot of people's minds. And um, like that's the, they're like, like planting the seed for everybody to be conditioned to that idea. Right. It's, you know, man, I read you know where I read that strategy. Uh, that the strategy? Oh, uh, Communist Manifesto, maybe uh, the other side of socialism. Ah, mine comp. Mine comp. Mine comp. Yep. 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 Um, I would say for conditioning the masses, it worked quite well for Hitler. I guess it's going to try to be attempted to work here in America too. Well, you know what the funny thing is too, Jim and, and Eric, is that instead of now when they're right, um, when they're putting these denials out, the press, you know. They're saying it's neither Antifa or Patriot Prayer, which is kind of like the antithesis of Antifa. Antifa. Um, so right away, they're they're putting in the minds of people that it could be the conservatives that are out lighting the fires. Mm-hmm. You know. So yeah. yeah, you're right. It's uh, they're 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 conditioning us to think that it could be one or the other, and I, I would bet you anything that it's gonna it's gonna start. The wheel's going to start turning, and it's they're going to start focusing more on the conservative movement, lighting of fires. Oh, I don't know what they'll make up, you know, to cause confusion for because. Of, well, the one good thing that came out of this, by the way, is that um, uh, because there's so many displaced people now, they're going to be setting up polling places where people have to go in and vote. Oregon, by by tradition, for the last maybe 30 years now. Or, or more has been a, a mail-in state. Um, you get your ballot, you fill it out, you mail it in. You could bring it like to uh, the county seat. I, that's what I always do. I bring it right to the register's office because I don't trust the post office. But um, so anyway, uh, but uh, because of so many people being displaced now, they're setting up. They're setting up polling booths, and uh, there's supposedly, from what I understand is um, they're going to have a way to, when you go in there, 
and pick up a ballot, they're going to have a way to know if you've uh, voted already or not, um, or or if your house was destroyed or whatever. You know, um, I, that remains to be seen. But um, whoa, that was a good potato chip. <laughs> Sorry. That's okay. Stop, stop eating. <laughs> I'm going to two hours, please. <laughs> Well, you know, we always dub this show as being, you know, like sitting around with the three of us talking, you know, in, in our living room, you know, and uh, and that's what we would do, right? We would be eating chips and popcorn and drinking some really good iced tea um, or coffee or whatever, depending on what season it is, uh, while we're talking about the subjects at hand. So, um, anyway, um, so... I wanted to find out from you guys, and, and perhaps we could talk about this to some extent tonight. Um, it almost seems like we all kind of know deep down within us that there's a civil war coming, and it probably will occur after November 4th, um, because I do believe, and and um, in all indications point in this direction, that that Donald Trump is going to be reelected. I mean, the black community, I think now is, uh, was, what did I hear? 40% in favor yeah. of Donald Trump. Yep. Yeah. He's actually, uh, in some States, even with Latinos, he's almost racking 50%. So, that's which is incredible. pretty much, pretty much historical. Um, yes. and, I, and I noticed the media is already starting to basically acknowledge that it's most likely he will win. Um, right. They try to, you know, they try to play it back as much as they can, but as they get closer to the election, they have to be, they have to basically dial back to reality to some degree. Otherwise, they look like buffoons completely if they get it wrong. Um, like the last time. <laughs> yeah, well, they screwed up last time, but you know, they kept on saying that, you know, they never thought she would lose to him, you know. Yeah. Because they had they had it rigged, but they just simply didn't cheat well enough. Yeah. Yeah, which well, is they, amazing. They, they're trying every attempt to make sure that, um, you know, like we had just talked about with these fires and everything. Um, you know, uh, when, when you look at the actual empirical evidence, I mean, you see blue beam flashes coming upon the certain locations from uh, satellite out in space. Uh, right there tells you this is the real creation of the fires. Now, um, Antifa already taking, you know, laying claim uh, that they're the ones that are doing it. Um, they're opportunistic. They're, you know, sure. they see this is going to happen. So they're, that's phase one. They're phase two. They're going to start lighting fires wherever and whenever they can uh, as if, you know, they're the initiators. Well, the initiators are the rich elite that have an agenda, Agenda right. 21. And this is part of what they're doing. So to keep everybody's eyes off of any kind of a elite um, involvement plot agenda yeah. 21 they make it they condition everybody to accept that it's just human forces doing this stuff there's no supernatural anything power behind any of this or technology behind it right and uh, and so they get their eye you know it's it's a shell game you know they get everybody diverted on on to that and then we're going to argue and fight over left and right left and right on this stuff and they're sitting back laughing going yeah we got one out of that one uh-huh and Think they're in control, but 
God has a plan and they're not in control. Tick-tock, tick-tock, it's 5 <laughs> and you guys are going to go away and you're not coming back ever. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. The Feast of the Beast time. Feast of the Beast time, man. You got it. Well, what they don't so, figure out, you know, they don't study history. And if you study biblical history, especially because that's what it yes. all boils down to anyway. Yes, there were bad times for the Jews in the Old Testament. But who always got the glory for it in the end? God got the glory for it, right? And it always worked out in his favor. It always, you know, um, I, I think of the Babylonian captivity right there. You know, I'm sure that God's enemies, both both flesh and blood and spiritual, were all happy when, you know, the last Jew was taken out of Jerusalem in 580, what was it, 587, I think, or something like that. Um and, and and brought in slavery back to to Babylon, but the Jews prospered in Babylon. <laughs> they really did. Um, and they prosper and God, wherever they go. Yeah, and God promised that. As a matter of fact, He told Jeremiah, He says, "Walk up to the king and tell him if you give up now, you'll you'll live, and you'll prosper in Babylon." But the king was thick-headed, and I can't think was that Jeroboam. I can't remember, but he. Um, Man, what a fate to have all your sons put to death and then have your eyes put out, you know, after they're all they're all gone, you know. But if they would have just listened and went, you know, but God got the glory anyway, because that's how we got the book of Daniel, because Daniel was was taken there. and Daniel was was treated with the respect and dignity because God was with him and God talked through him to King Nebuchadnezzar and and to other kings after him. And. um and, and things worked out great. Matter of fact, what was it? Cyrus uh, came in afterwards. And, and Daniel says, hey, uh, King Cyrus, can I have an audience with you? I just want to show you this one little scripture. Here's your name that's been here for hundreds of years that our God has told us that you would come and that you would vanquish the Babylonians and that you would give us permission to go back to Jerusalem. You know, and it's it's just amazing that people don't study that and that they they don't see that, yes, there's going to be a bad time for a little while, but ultimately, and I, I think a lot of it has to do with, because we're looking for, basically for our salvation, for, and I'm not talking about spiritual salvation, but, you know, we're looking for our, our own well-being, um, the well-being of our families and stuff like that, instead of ultimately looking at the the um, the highest objective of history and and um, and all of creation, which is the glorification of of Jesus, you know, <laughs> and and that's what happens every time. And uh, I think we get wrapped up a lot of times in worrying about uh, ourselves and, and and other things, and uh, we fail to look at the larger part of the picture, which is a theme that we seem to be talking about on the show more and more, you know. Well, you know, go ahead. Um, nothing's ever changed. It's the same today. We have a modern day prophet that said that there was one coming who's going to be he's his name is trump and he's going to be a trumpet and he's going to have hot blood and people are going to know that he has hot blood he'll come in whispering the name of jesus but then something will happen and he'll be shouting the the glory of jesus christ uh after he's been filled with the holy spirit well you know that was donald J. and what do people say you know they they think he's the antichrist for pete's sakes they think he's this that everything else under the sun but now the people, especially in the black community, especially in the Latino community, they see that he promised certain things and he's done it. Right. And they know. 
and they are saying, oh, my gosh, this guy isn't rep, uh, uh, racist. My gosh, he's represented and taken care of our interests no, like no other president ever did before. You don't see that in the news because the news is part of the whole Antichrist system and completely taken over. And this is going back again. People don't realize the Bible tells us that there is an elite few that is going to be in conspiring with non-human and human elements of this earth as an elite rich agenda 21. It's there in Revelation 17. And there are 10 kings who will receive no kingdom as of yet, but will receive power as kings and will give their power unto the beast for they have one mind and purpose. I mean, I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but that's basically what it says right there. That is scripturally telling you there is a global elite that is going to be conspiring against the rest of the world. I mean, so it's there. If you, if you don't understand that part, you don't understand anything what's going on today and why and how. There really is. It's not paranoid freaks. You know, we speak these things out and people make it look like we're the ones on the lunatic fringe. We're the crazies. And yet that's exactly what the prophets were called. And they got stoned to death. At least they can't throw stones at us yet. That day's coming, but it's not here yet. But uh, nothing's hey. changed. Yeah, uh, you just you just get ignored out of existence today. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yep, exactly. Ghosted. Um, yes, ghosted. We, we shared something. Oh, Jim, it just left me, guys. Um, Jim and I had shared something about. It'll come back to me. Don't worry. You know um, the thing on everybody's mind right now. I went to a Bible study today. Uh, we have we have two guys that had graduated uh, rehab. And I mean, they are doing fantastic, man. This one young guy, he's, I think, 30, 36. Man, every time I go to that kid's Bible studies, I get something. He has such a profound anointing uh, of, of digging deep into the scriptures. A, a great student. very He's very thorough. Um, I go to his studies to kind of encourage him to, and, and to help. And I know I'm doing it to another guy, too. So. That was my only night off that I got off. And now I don't have any night off. So there's meetings every night. But, you know, it's it's the way it should be. Um, time's running out. It, times are getting short. And we need to be exploiting, as the, Daniel said. Uh, they that know their God will be uh, do will be strong. And they that know their God will be strong and do exploits. Those that aren't, it says that he will he will subdue them with flatteries. So. Some people are just so caught up in this world that they're not seizing the opportunity. They're not even recognizing the times that we are in, and they just don't get it. They think that we got, like, years and years to go. And, and I'm saying, man, we're at the end of the end. This is time is running short. Let's let's get involved and, and get out in the highways and byways. If we want this craziness to stop, it says that when this gospel is preached in all the world, then the end shall come. Well, let's start doing that. And you know what? The biggest shame of it is that um, – a few of the ministries that I'm associated with, they're stuck in this churchy church uh, cultural environment. They don't really know any better. I don't think they've really understood that they're I, – I had a few people that were going to come over uh, my place, and we were going to pray. And then we're going to go out, and we're just – we're going to ask the Lord basically where – you know, where do we go tonight? See, two nights a week we go to a class – uh, that's helping us to sharpen up our, our own personal gifting and gifts. And, and uh, uh, Brian Foster is a fantastic teacher. It's really, you know, really done a lot in my life in, in showing us uh, 
how to utilize it better. And we have a form of class that's dynamics. We start at the end of the day, we start prophesying over each other, praying in tongues over each other and and uh, waiting on the Lord to give us some word of encouragement for one another. And it's been great. And like I shared with him, I said, you know, the first two uh, weeks of the month we're here. But what about the other two? We need to start actually going out and doing this. We're starting to learn each other and understand each other. But it wasn't just to keep patting ourselves on the back and, and lifting ourselves up. We need to start working as a team, going out into the highways and byways and do something. I said, so for the other two days, let's meet at my place. We'll pray. We'll talk to each other to see where we're supposed to go. And we'll let the Lord lead us. Any day we step out of the, the our house could be a supernatural divine appointment if we pray for it and expect it and look for it. So let's, let's do that as a team. So, you know, you have maybe in, in our conversation, one guy says, well, you know, I, I've been wanting to get over to this one friend. He's had some questions and I'd really like uh, you, Jim, or you, uh, Matt, to come with me and you can explain some stuff. I know that there'll be a real connection. Okay. There's a divine appointment. Let's go. Another person would say, you know, I, I got a friend who's in the hospital and I should see him, but I just haven't had time. Okay, let's go. Let's go right now. This is our divine appointment. And whatever you whatever you're pursuing, it's going to always turn into something much more because you've allowed God, you asked him and he wants you to exploit it. So the sad thing is that so many of these places, one of them that uh, um, that I work with uh, pretty intensely, um, they had this idea of, you know, we need intimate prayer. Okay, let's come together and we're going to pray. And then we're going to get these teachers from all over the city. And they're going to, you know, every week we're going to have a different speaker speak and um, get us charged up so we can do what we're supposed to do. And I'm going, oh, my God, don't you realize what you're doing? You're playing church. Yeah, right. You're playing churchy church, man. Come on. Mm-hmm. After you have an intense meeting, you break everybody off into two or three people. Go out there and show them how to do it. You already know how to do it. You have divine appointments every time you step your foot outside the door. Teach right. them how to do it. You can tell them all you want till the cows come home. They're not going to know where to start on the job training. My God, a doctor has to go to internship. An apprentice in a union has to go to an apprentice to learn how to become the professional on the job training. <clears throat> in construction, in military, you become you keep, you become a learner on the job training. This is all the uh, in the military when you go through your primary uh, basics and then you go into your secondary. The secondary is on the job training. You can know what to do, but you don't know how to start it and actually know it until you start implementing it. This is where Paul says to be a, a doer, not just a hearer. Well, here the church is caught up and it's always learning, never coming to, you know, it's like, stop it, you guys. Right. Take three or four with you break off all the other leaders that you know that know how to do this or some of you leaders that are trying to fake it until you make it get out there and actually learn and do what you say to tell others to do and then you'll learn how to do it by on the job training and that's not that's the secret that they're not understanding and getting across if you do less talking and more taking advantage of the situation man every everywhere at the Bible studies that I went to, the last couple of them, uh, Sunday and uh, Monday, tonight, the main thing that people wanted to hear was, what about today? How does the Bible fit in for today? And most people are sidestepping it. They don't want to, well, you know, it's controversial and we're going to open up a can of worms. Okay, let's open up a can of worms. 
Yeah. Let's if we're Christians, we should have love and respect for another. We, you know, and I keep telling everybody things that haven't happened yet. Let's stay loose ended. Everybody has a thought and idea. Some people might know. Absolutely. You know what? The thing is, let's come together. Let's discuss it out. Let's talk about it. People need to know how the things of today are mentioned in the Bible. Where is it and how does it fit in today? We shouldn't be afraid and shying away from it. This is the main topic we ought to be talking about now. People want to have hope. People need to have hope. And um, that's what that's what is going to get us through is iron sharpening iron and having hope, not a blind faith, but having hope in a plan that God already is in control and totally in control. And he has a plan. And of course, you know, when you hear prophecies that Trump is a trumpet, you know, oh, yeah, right. So that's got to do with the trumpet. Yeah, actually, it does. And the trumpet judges have absolutely everything to do with the Hebrew culture of the celebration of the different feasts, which right. I I agree that none of this stuff is going to happen in it, unless it happens on the feast day, specifically all of the feasts leading up. I think what was the last uh, starting at Passover and then ending with um, what's what's the last one? Is that the uh, well? There's we just went person? through we just went through Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur Day of Atonement. Yeah. In the new year, yep. and then we went to Sukkot, which is uh, the the um, Feast of Tabernacles. Okay, yeah. I think we're in that right now, actually. And mm-hmm. um, and then uh, it culminates. Well, Hanukkah um, is, isn't a tor- isn't really a Torah holiday, although Jesus celebrated it. <clears throat> but um, and then you go to the spring feast. That- yeah. Well, the just to the fall ones. The fall ones is all about the second coming. Right. of Christ. And um, my gosh, there was, there was even a, um, an Israeli um, Hebrew that was saying, announcing that the uh, the Messiah would be coming in the next uh, two and a half months or something like that. And I go, oh, that's rather interesting. Kind of yeah. okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, let's wait and see on that one. Um, somebody's might be coming. <laughs> but, but <laughs> Matreya. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yep. Yep, you got it, Matreya. Um, the fifth Amadi, you know, whoever you want to fill in the dots, you know, the coming one. Um, but um, I got to I gotta send you this one, uh, Dave. I, uh, I want you to see if I know you're going to catch it right away. This one is smooth, man. Satan is getting trickier and trickier. This one is actually comes off as being very conservative, very pro-Trump, um, uh, pro-American. Uh, pro-conservative, um, and so all through it, it's talking about um, actually, you know, uplifting Trump, making America great again and everything, and it, and it was talking about 9-11, we'll never forget it, and uh, the fact that there was more there than, than just the, um, the Palestinians, and then subtly, two of them by graphics alone, they don't say anything, but they show you the graphics, and then one, verbally, they come right out, man, they're, they were slamming. They were saying that the 9/11 was basically the Israeli Mossad oh, was behind it, and that yeah. they were uh, trying to make uh, the Arabs look like the bad, bad guys and evil, and that uh, this Israeli Mossad did that because they wanted uh, the United States to align themselves with them and support them. So this, they had to help it out and trigger it out. It's not that you know, that they're already in an alliance, but it's the whole thing was so ridiculous, and yet yeah. man, people were eating it right up. Matter of fact, 
a pastor friend of mine sent me to it. What do you think, uh, Jim? And I said, you know, I'm in agreement with uh, with 95%, but that's the other 5% of arsenic, which stinks to high hell. And he was surprised. He was shocked. And I said, no, I'll show you exactly. We need to get together. I will show you in the video. Two are graphics that are very subtle. One, they come right out and make a proclamation. This is replacement theology. Uh, it's calling for the annihilation of uh, the people that live in Israel now because they're not the real Jews. They're the Kenites, all this, you know, replacement theology bull crap. Right. I am so tired of it. Um, you know, I've done some further research on it. And these organizations uh, believe in the priority of Zion, proves that there's a Jewish conspiracy worldwide and, and that uh, that's what's got to be put down. Um, man, priority of Zion, are you serious? You know, I know another guy with a, with a funny little mustache and was, you know, screaming and hollering and ranting and raving. And uh, he used that same excuse and exterminated, like, I don't know, billions, uh, millions of uh, Jews. And it didn't work out too well for him. And I don't think it's going to work out for anybody else trying to imitate and re repeat the same old garbage all over again. Right. Um, right. It's just sick, man, yeah. sick, twisted. Crap, you know the protocols of Zion actually dates back to, um, if I'm not mistaken, it was it was created to discredit the czars of Russia, and, yeah, and the um, kings of Russia, and and but somebody just did a little fancy pen work, and uh, and changed it to be uh, casting the Jews as the uh, the, well, the villains. And if you look at look at Europe. You know, they, they intermarried like there was no tomorrow. The kings and queens and everything else, and the princes and princesses and and everything else. So, uh, you know, you want to look at the villains, look at some of the the leadership, and uh, that, by the way, are still in, in power, uh, although you don't see them um, in in Europe. You know, uh, the the House of Windsor in England is a big example right there. I think it's the only one that still survives. Good, Jim. Well, you know, I, and the thing is that, yeah, originally uh, the communists were using it to tear down, bring down the Tsarist Russia. But then in actuality, it was um, the exposure that the priority of Zion was describing the communists and their tactics on how they were going to bring down um, Tsarist Russia, which they did. And so in 1914, everything changed. Now, all of a sudden, it's no longer Tsarist Russia. It's communist uh, Russia. And um, Americans being naive. Had an influence in there, led to the uh, Spanish uh, Civil War. Um, you know, it it really was a very slick, cool way of having this same doctrine seduce and deceive the very core members of um, America and cause the divisions there uh, with the uh, Lincoln Brigade units, um, which in turn turned into beatniks, which in turn became the educators for the 60s, which in turn caused the whole um, boomer rebellion uh of the 60s i mean it just the cascading effect of a domino effect has right. just amazingly and then to think that it would actually repeat itself after nazi germany i mean the, the united nations was set up like oh my gosh we can't ever have this happen again so we're going to start a, a global enforcement agency to make sure that somebody like hitler never happens again yeah the funny ironic thing is though when you study the the follow the money trail which is not biased on politics or anything else it's who invested into what you follow a money trail and everybody that invested in the nazi agenda and machinery and created uh, and gave them the funds to enable to do the craziness that they did are now rechanneled their money into the united nations right. so again it's what looks like it's set up for one thing is actually doing and continuing 
what started in the beginning. And we're so naive. We don't study history. We don't learn from history. We don't know what history. And so we're doomed to repeat it again. That was a quote actually from uh, Winston Churchill. Those that fail to understand history are doomed to repeat it. And it, it's so true. And so there was a there was actually a, a, a rapture I came across on YouTube and the perspective was being left behind. And one of the things that the person had mentioned in the dream was that uh, that he saw the swastika uh, was becoming prevalent again. And there was sympathy towards it and supporting it wow. in a, in a uh, you know, a post rapture world so sure. something just to note just to enlighten what you were talking about there jim well you know just on obscure things you know and i i can see now where this is this is going to be used as a weapon against white europeans because after oh, yeah. all, it came over to america and, and started all i mean you know it's the elephant in the room uh when you get one race coming against another which says when there's going to be uh nations shall be against nations in in uh matthew 24 nations race. there's ethnos it's race and man are we seeing that today or what yeah and yeah and sad. the sad thing about it is of all things there do you, you do you know that the white european race is the only race that has words for uh, as swear words there's no other language on the planet that has specific words that mean guttural slang uh, slur words. So I was really curious about that. And I started doing a study on, you know, where the origins were. Now, of all things, everybody's saying, well, we don't really know for sure where it, uh, the, where it originated. Well, I do because I'm a history geek freak. And I understood the thousand, a hundred years wars between the Saxons of England and the Franks of uh, France. And mainly it was a, a feudal war, you know, with war, uh, uh, some of the aristocracy, you know, family yeah, lines. Yeah. yeah. It, well, no, from um, from uh, from Great Britain and then some of them from the French, they were battling each other. And so this war, they say lasted 100 years, it's actually 116 years. But the war was just like with the United States and Russia. Sometimes it's a Cold War, sometimes it's an active war. So it all adds up to that length of time. But during the Cold War parts, there was actually a, somewhat of a palatable peace, but with a cautious eye on each other. So that's why it wasn't a continual battle, but it was an up and down state of tension between the two. When the Saxons finally beat the um, uh, the French, they decided, okay, your language, your culture is filthy and it's gutter. And the words that you use to describe certain things, we are going to make swear words. They are going to be guttural to match the, the filthiness that you are as a, as a culture, as a society, as a people. So the word, the F-bomb word, was a word that they used in French to mean having sexual intercourse. It wasn't a swear word. It was the word they used as that word. So... In the whole thing, they turned that into a word of disgust. The same with a lot of other words. Uh, S-H-I-T is another one. And so other common words that were used to describe excrement or whatever, um, it became the same kind of thing. In their language, it was filth. In any other language, so um, let me say that, that all of the European languages are Latin derivatives. I had a year of Latin, so I can, you know, kind of schlep my way through, you know, a lot of European language. So uh, love in, in um, 
Latin is amos. Uh, it's amore um, in what Italy? Or is that the French one? Um, amore, yeah. It's amore yeah, um, in, uh, in uh, French. That, yeah, thank you. Okay. And so the same, and even with German, you know, it's, they've got a, a, a variation of that. The root word is the same, and then they, the, um, the suffix is uh, of a different variance depending on the, each culture. So the root words of etymology tell the truth during the um, Hundred Years' Wars that that's exactly what happened. There's this thing about, um, it has to do with the uh, fighting in, in battle. Um, one of the words they use is close to the same F-bomb word, and actually it was it was meaning um, an archery uh, word that they used that had the same shared etymology of the root word. And the archers would um, use the two fingers to to draw a bow and shoot it, and that process was was closely related to that word. Well, I looked up in Wikipedia, which is about as reliable as Snoop's uh, is. Uh, they're not. They're a liberal-based <laughs> uh, thing, so they have twisted everything around. So I said, no, this is an urban myth. It doesn't ex actually exist. It has no you know, origin that we can understand. No, well, if you understand history, you understand the war. That was part of the whole thing, going back to the F-bomb word. And the idea was when you hold up to two fingers to make a V, you know, that's insinuating that process, but it's also insinuating the archery thing. What would happen is that um, they would cut uh, the, to the captives or the archers and everything. They would cut off the two fingers that would enable them to be able to draw a bow. And then basically they were screwed. You know, they were messed up. They were effed. Yeah. And so that is part of the history there. What they're, why they're trying to change this or keep it obscure and say we don't know about this is because the idea of somehow that we're that the white race is so base that we created the only you know the only culture and race to create swear words isn't that it backfired? One tried to to demean and belittle the the vanquished enemy and so that's why they adopted these words as swear words but it was something that came back on them because soon afterwards you know a hundred years of of this repetitiveness and then all of a sudden nobody knows where it started or where it began and it's just kind of been you know brushed over and we can see how fake news can do that in a couple of weeks what took them maybe a hundred years to do sure. but uh you know, nothing's new under the sun. This is the same old things. And the more you understand history in detail, the more you can see it for what it really is. So they're trying to prevent all of that to make it look like white Europeans are so decadent that we're the only ones that could created this kind of thing. Aren't we bad? Aren't we terrible? See, our very culture is is just wicked. And it has nothing to do with that. We didn't have any more than any other culture did. We right. just did something. The, the Saxons did something that ended up backing fire, backfired on all of us. And that's typical setup of Satan, divide and conquer. And, hey, you know, I'll do this now, but hey, you ought to see what this is going to be in 200 years. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, uh, sowing a seed. Yep, you know, you sow exactly. it, and then you, you pour water on it, wait for it to grow, and then uh, the mustard seed grows into a mighty tree, Jesus said, you know. And Satan thinks he's got all the time in the world because he's able to travel it and manipulate it and use it. Yeah, well. Tell me if yeah, he should have yeah. looked at <laughs> he should have looked at Revelation 19 and really understood it. You know, always learning, never coming to the knowledge of the truth. You know, he he doesn't get it. He doesn't uh -huh. understand. Have you just well, the show? He got it. 
<laughs> Maybe that's why well, he knows his time is short. <laughs> Maybe we played played into that somehow, where we we informed him that his time is short. Uh, <laughs> that would be kind of interesting, though, wouldn't it? No, he he knows that there's going to be a certain time when time will stop, and he thinks that's his winning day, and he doesn't realize that's your you lost on the cross. You <laughs> you don't even know it, but you already lost. When you put him on the cross, and when he said it is finished, it literally meant you're finished. Yeah, exactly. He's the <laughs> so ultimate. So you're clapping at you. We cheated. We looked at the back of the book in Revelation 19. There's your demise right there. One word. One word wipes out your invincible army, your master race, your Uberman. Uh-huh. Uh, and that one word, boy, I even know what it is. You know, we've been here before. Uh, we yeah. talked. It's so. Uh, I. Uh, it is so. Isn't that cool, man? It is so powerful. I mean, when when. Um, the Pharisees were challenging uh, Jesus, and he said, oh, so before Abraham, you were? And he says, I am, and they fell back on the ground. Uh, when he was going to be arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus come up and kissed him on the cheek. And then um, they asked him, are you the one we're looking for? And he said, I am, and the entire Sanhedrin, I think something like 300-some people, fell down on the, on the ground. Uh-huh. I mean, that's so what word do you think he's going to say when he comes, you know, come? I mean, we're, we're part of his army, but heck, we're nothing but observers. We're just uh-huh. sitting there just kind of watching and we're not actively going to be engaged in a battle or anything. We're watching and uh, Jesus uh, says one statement and yeah. the entire uh, the entire army, Antichrist army is dead. Now, right. I like what you had said you had posted on our, our joint thing talking about uh, the Ezekiel 38th. Uh, battle as opposed oh, to the, that's what i was trying to remember <laughs> yeah well, great well you know yeah. go ahead man go with it jen no no i just um it's 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 oh, quite I, interesting I told- it's quite interesting that um and it's funny because they were they were um calling trump a racist the other day and he says okay he's a racist but he's brought together the jews with the arabs and his son-in-law's a jew who who you know brokered the deal so how is he a racist but anyway, uh, yeah, I was wondering because, uh, you know, and I, I'm sure, I am so sure that a lot of those people that believe that Trump is the Antichrist are out there going, oh, see, he's brokering deals in the Middle East for peace. He's the Antichrist. That doesn't mean squad, actually. Um, you know, he could be setting something up for somebody else, you know, that that somebody else will use in the future. But anyway, um when you look at the two wars, because there's an Ezekiel 38-39 war, and there's the Psalm 82 war. The Psalm 82 war seems to be between the Jews and the Arabs, the cousins. Okay. However, the Ezekiel 38 war, 38-39, is all the countries around. And there are no Arab nations involved in that conflict. Gee, I wonder why. Yeah, because they're all at peace with Israel when it happens. You know, because they already had the battle. Well, Manega ended up being bird food in the sides of the mountains of Megiddo, just as the prophet had prophesied. Right, right. So it's anyway. Sandy glass. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yep. But uh, you know, I was I was explaining to. Um, I can't. It was either my my son-in-law or one of my grandsons. I said, you know, I says, isn't it kind of interesting that Trump's Trump is always one step ahead of all these people? You know, have, have you ever noticed that? You know, when they have something, you know, they level yep. a charge against them. He already has an answer for it. He already has the 
the witnesses for his uh, defense. He already has this, that, you know, and everything to where he makes fools out of these people. And and uh, I said, I said, do you think that there's a possibility that maybe he can he can manipulate? I was trying to tell him about uh, John Trump getting no. all of, <laughs> yeah, getting all of the, the information from uh, from Tesla. You know, and how Tesla could see the past, present, yep. and future at the same time by putting himself yeah, between, between two of those coils. coils. Yep. And uh, I said, do you think that maybe he's been able to do that to where he can see what's going to happen five years down the road and he and he can trump them? He can play his trump card. There that, you word, go. that word is so awesome that, you know. <laughs> it is. It is. <laughs> but, and, you uh, know, to me, it just proves we are truly living in a matrix. Everything is zero, one, zero, one. So there's no coincidence. When you see lineup of these kind of coincidences, just like when you were doing the Jamatra thing, you now that scares some people because Kabbalah has hijacked that and everybody thinks, oh, that's uh, Jewish mysticism. No, it isn't. It's, it, <laughs> it is a methodology of how the Bible was written by the Jews. It's called PARDES, P-A-R-D-E-S, an acronym. It, and it means that in all scriptures, there's four different levels that it's been written on, just like hermeneutics in the, in the Western that we're taught, but it's rather simplistic. It's either literal or, or figurative. And the original uh, most um, basic, simple understanding cannot be overturned by anything else that's enhanced. So especially in Partis, if the Pisant the most liberal, literal meaning is being overturned. It means the your process is wrong because all the other three levels, the, the Ramirez, the uh, Darash, or the Sad, has to enhance and expound further on that same original simple meaning. And when you look at it in four different levels, that's why we can get so much out of one scripture. But it's not even being taught in the Western world. And, I, you know, it's got to be part of the satanic corruption that causes a massive falling away because we're ignorant of how the Jews even wrote uh, the Bible. And because of that, unless we're, our studies are totally thorough, usually what happens is we study, we see one part of a prepositional phrase. We go, ah, see, that proves what I'm saying. And then you don't go any further. The thing is. They're using, in a prepositional phrase, they use the word as a noun, and then they back it up by using it again as a verb or an adverb. So it further defines something is in this state, but there's something else that defines it even further. People don't research that much. And if you're not aware of what partis is, you don't realize that the Jews wrote the Bible with that understanding. And the other fact that makes it even more complicated is we go left to right, they go right to left. Mm-hmm. They go everything backwards. So they're adding our, their definitions as a prefix rather than a suffix, which means you can't look up in a concordance and look up the one word and see all the variations because they do it backwards. So you got to look up every variation first to find out what the one word is. I mean, I probably lost some people at a drugstore even talking this much because that's how complicated it is. But it's not rocket science. You can figure it out. It's simple once you understand um, and it takes, you know, what I, I would say, maybe a, a, an hour's worth of study to get a full, good cop, a basic comprehension of partis to understand how the Bible's written. Then you know what materials, reference materials to use to get the uh, the answer. You don't have to have, you know, a PhD in uh, um, 
in theology to understand it. It's, again, rather simple if you know the right sources, what to look for, and where to look for it in. Um, uh, well, there, we lost the number, so much. There's the number four right there. We live in four <laughs> dimensions, and there's four ways to study Scripture. <laughs> there you go. But, well, yeah. uh, I, I believe the Bible is the book of life. Everybody's name is there, birth yeah. and death. It's there, but it's in four dimensions. We live in three, so we're not going to get the whole story. And usually, if I find an issue, even the Bible code, I believe the Bible code is real. But I believe we're looking at a book that's four-dimensional, and we're never going to understand anything until we are in looking at it as outside of time. And until then, all we seem to get is everything after the fact. We don't get it ahead of time. And I think that's God's safety barrier there because he wants our dependency upon him, not upon reading everything in the Bible. Right, right. We don't have access to that. And I'm good with that. Yeah. I don't think we need to mess everything up uh, you know, in our own time, on our own, you let know, alone. Um, before, before I forget, I, I, I found something quite amusing. Um, we were talking about these, you know, uh, Trump making peace with the United Arab Emirates and the Bahrain. Um, it's funny because right after that, the Nobel Prize uh, Commission said that they were going to give Trump the Nobel Peace Prize for actually bringing peace. <laughs> wow, imagine yeah. that. Um and one of the liberals, I can't remember who it was, right away is, well, well, you know, we just got to do away with the Nobel Prize. It's, it's not worth anything anymore. He didn't do nothing, but but now that Trump is actually doing something to deserve it, yeah, it's a different standard. Always a double standard. Yeah, I Trump could cure know. Trump could cure cancer, and they complain. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. They, they took away jobs. <laughs> <laughs> Right. Collecting, yeah. Took away you, jobs. Well, my relative died ten years ago. Why didn't you develop it ten years ago? Why didn't you do it? Them? Why didn't you do it soon? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. The guy gets blamed for everything, and it's 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 a shame. But you know what? He who laughs last laughs the loudest. And uh, I got a feeling that he's one of these days. Trump's going to have a humongous laughing fit, and uh, and it's going to be wonderful. But. Um, uh, anybody heard anything more about the uh, the sealed indictments? What's going down there? Frankly, I think that's not all. Gonna, that's that's going to happen afterwards. I think that'll probably yeah. happen as a result of the uh, the civil war that's coming. But yeah, well, it could be right. a conjunction to just Trump winning the election and then executing on it, and then them basically doing all the violence. Um, yeah, I do want to just mention, you know, that main site that. I've always mentioned uh, Q, QMap.pub. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's an interface to all the actual QAnon web content that's out on the Internet that uh -huh. gives you a nice front end to it and all that. Well, they actually shut that guy down. Uh, he's actually from New Jersey. He was a software developer. They found him and made him shut his site down. But you can still hit the link, but it basically doesn't have the front end anymore. So huh. New Jersey came after him. So, but – I mean, the content's still there. You just have to dig through it a little bit, you know. Um, huh. But something well, I wanted to mention to you. There's another one, too, isn't there, that's kind of akin to that? Well, uh, you know, I, you know, the one I praying followed. Medic or... Well, uh, Praying Medic is more of an interpreter of the content. So, um, He's so probably one of the more accurate ones, but it's a shame because, you know, almost all the ones that you go to, or like you said, Eric, they're interpreters, and some yeah, of them no. are good, and some of them are not so good. Yeah. And yeah. Um, 
you know, it's like we need as a body, we need to be a team player. Quit trying to grab, you know, claim that somehow you got some specific preferred insight or something. Right. Work together as a team and just keep the pure Q prophecies to themselves. You can maybe put a suggestion in or something. Nobody matters about an opinion, but don't make it the predominant thing. And the main message is secondary so that your, you know, your interpretation somehow is predominant. I mean, it's just to me, that's almost a subtle form of self-glorification. You know, hey, I, you know, it's just it's just wrong. Let's work as a team. Appreciate someone else's work. If they've done it so well, you don't have to reinterpret or redo it. Just put the person and give them the credit and say, man, this is some great stuff. Look what this brother come up with. And if we would start promoting things that way, we would have more time because we're not redoing everything. And we're just passing on good, solid, you know, uh, prayerful, anointed uh, research and, and working together as a team. But we don't do that. We all grab, you know, our little piece of the pie or whatever. And, and we don't need to do that. Right. And, uh, yep. Well, isn't there a place on Acoon to get his place, his stuff to Eric? Uh, well, um, basically the sources that this QMAP pulled from was like QAnon.pub, QAg.news, and Q Research. It's it, it pulls the data from those sites into QMAP.pub, but the QMAP.pub is kind of like a front interface that's right. searchable and easy to read, and, you know, it's much easier to interpret than um, going directly to the sources, but you can still go to the site and click on the links to get to those sources. You just can't, you just don't have the nice front end anymore. In fact, I think this guy also wrote um, the QAnon app that's available in the app store um, on Android and Apple, I think, um, (laughs) which allows you to, Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I've got a, I got a buddy that's got it. It, Literally the app costs like a buck and uh-huh. it, you get the same content through there that's very easily readable. So, um, You know, the powers that be are making it so that um, people that don't have a smartphone and just have a computer like me, they don't make these apps for computers now. So a lot of, a lot of things that you're functionally able to do on a phone, you can't do it on a computer because there's no apps for them. Yes. And so they're actually, they're actually – ostracizing and, and causing people to get rid of their computers and just live on the phone and have nothing but the phone. Um, it's really frustrating. You know, I, I got one now. I don't really know how to use it very well. Probably my three-year-old grandson could teach me better than I would know how to do it. Um, but um, I use it for, you know, for as a vendor to, to process credit cards and I really don't want to carry it around with me. I, I'm just afraid I don't want to go down a path that uh, is kind of crazy. And then I specifically ordered one that wasn't going to be 5G. You know what mine is? It is 5G completely. <laughs> yeah, so what I kind of what, what, uh, you ordered a 5G cell phone? No, I didn't. I didn't think I did, but then now I find well, out that that's exactly what it is. Well, Jim, the 5G ones, as far as I know, are they're incredibly expensive. Um, not the cheapie that I got. I can tell you what model I got. I got a Samsung. Okay. Um, maybe maybe they've come down in price. Well, this one was I think 165, and I made payments on it. Yeah, I'd be shocked. 
You're sure it's 5G, huh? Yeah, I know it's 5G. Yeah, okay. I read it in the specs on here, and I'm going, I did not. I specifically said I did not want a 5G. I mean, this thing was working and getting on the Internet, and I didn't need to hook on to anything. That's a 5G. Huh. Now, you know, Trump, now, this is one thing that's strange. Trump has just supported some new bill or something that opens up opportunities for 5G to even go bigger. But it's a different when kind I saw of 5G. That, yeah. Well, I don't know. Either that or he knows something about nullifying the, nullifying the effects. Uh-huh. I, just, I know I trust Trump. I trust Trump. If he, Whatever he's doing is somehow makes sense that I haven't made sense out of it myself, but then I'm not that familiar with that actually functioning using a 5G because I've never had a smartphone before, so I don't know about that part. But uh, um, I, knew, no, I do know that there was a proven direct connection between 5G and the coronavirus. It seems to imitate and create the viral conditions. Now, do you already know of an antibody or an, a, a way of, of shielding it? I think he does. Otherwise, he wouldn't. I know he wouldn't be uh, promoting it. Now, I know there's a new 8G coming out that's going to surpass 5G. Uh, I mean, it's just a matter of, I think, months away from, from that. Now, the 8G, as far as I understand, has some kind of a direct connection to the satellite links. Yeah, um, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. So that is going to overshadow and, and fossilize the 5G. It's going to go in the way of eight tracks and cassette tapes yeah. or whatever. To, to me, that'll be very, very interesting because, you know, the satellite technology that I'm aware of as a, currently like, you know, your satellite Internet or whatever, the latency on it is just so bad. You know, it doesn't it's not good for, you know, talking like this on Skype typically uh -huh. or, uh, you know, um, anything that's sensitive to latency, you know, time and out, stuff like that. So, I mean, it'd have to be a pretty big leap in technology to to have direct link to satellites. So it must be it's pretty fantastic. You know, I have to get you guys the uh, the link, but I was talking to my son-in-law the other day, and I actually signed up for it because with this 8G and and this this hello, that was yeah. weird. What what happened? I don't know. I'm gonna get. Are off. we? Are we no, no longer broadcasting? Oh no, we're broadcasting. Oh, okay, <laughs> we're still live. I just, I just hearing a weird beeping noise. I don't know if you heard it. No, we didn't. That was bizarre. Okay. I said, "Dog on satellite, look out!" No, yeah, I, uh, I muted my mic. I mute my mic. It makes a little beep. Here, I'll do it again. No. Did you hear it? it. No, this is a okay. Beep, 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 beep. Anyway, oh, uh, that's that's just the uh, CIA. Don't yeah, worry about it. Yeah, yeah, NSA, CIA. Well, yeah. Anyway, what's the name of the company that puts those satellites up there? Um, oh, come on, Elon Musk company. Oh, oh. Uh, Sky something or Star Star. I can't remember. But anyway, um, make a long story short. There's this web page you can get on, and you can sign up to be a beta tester for that satellite system, the HE satellite hmm. system. And hmm. as soon as I can find it out, I'll, I'll send it to you guys. But uh, I signed up for it right away just to be able to have the technology. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you know? 
Dave, we'll just we'll go ahead and you you go ahead and be the point man, and we'll sit there and watch you and see if you fry or die or not, and then yeah, then I'll decide okay. whatever. <laughs> if your hair starts falling out, you know it's bad. I'll just yeah. make, it, make it to heaven before you guys. That's cool. all. <laughs> <laughs> or if you suddenly come up with uh, uh, I don't know, take your pick, uh, you know, Ebola or uh, what's the new? What's what are they bringing back? The old big old hit maybe. Um, Oh, the um, bubonic plague one. Yeah. Yeah. There's been some chatter. You know, I picked up on it. There's been some chatter that, uh, oh, expect this one next. This may be the next one, and it's going to come from China. I'm going, so what are you telling us ahead of time because you have to? Because that's just the way, you know, I mean, oh, boy. I hope not. That wasn't fun <laughs> back then. And now I'm not feeling nostalgic for for any of these things. But you know they they gotta fake out they gotta try to prolong this pandemic as long as they can, and so they're gonna try desperately to create some kind of a second wave because there ain't gonna be no second wave because it's already dead. Um, but they'll figure a way to fake it out somehow. Yeah, that's true. <clears throat> I hate when I get a thought like this in my head. Now I'm just like, I gotta find this. I gotta find this. I gotta find this. <laughs> well, they, you know, we had the. I know you guys ever heard of the. The Sturgis Rally. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. yeah it's really yeah. big, usually about 400,000, 500,000. Yeah, they, they come. But, yeah, the media yeah. was all over us for having that. And, you know, they tried to play up, you know, just the massive, you know, there was massive infection rate and all this stuff. And it actually turned out to be little to nothing, even for, you know, 400,000 people. So, right, right. you know, that really punches a hole. Um, in their narrative. I'm not saying that COVID isn't real. It is. Um, but you're looking at, you know, a 0.04%, uh, you know, death, death rate with this thing. Exactly. No so more if you got people that are, you know, have health issues, you know, we, I have, a, there's a teacher at my kid's school that's struggling with it, you know, but it just seems to be very randomized as far as, um, you know, who is, who's affected by it. But. You know what that Sturgis, uh, um, run they had this year there was a member of antifa what was this idiot thinking he kicks one of the bikes as it goes by in protest yeah this is south dakota you're you're gonna you're you're gonna you're not gonna make it out good luck dude what are you thinking man? <laughs> no well, one puts up with that kind of stuff <laughs> around here he ought to be he ought to thank god that there was mostly christian bikers and a christian biker that he kicked because they truly were christian Otherwise, he would have been dust. Um, no, they they secured him, let's say. They secured him, and rather not tenderly or gently, but they secured him. He didn't die. He's alive. But they secured him until the uh, uh, police could come and arrest him. But uh, they weren't gentle about it. <laughs> hey, they're still bikers, even though they're Christians. They laid knuckles on him. But you know what? I mean, the guy had it coming to him. Uh, what they did is they tackled him down to the ground, and they weren't gentle about it. They slammed him, body slammed him down. Boom. Um, he was probably seeing stars for the next few days. I think he did have a concussion. You ought to be thankful that he was alive to even have that. Um, what a complete, mindless, brainless thing to do. I mean, what did he think he, in the midst of a Sturgis? I mean, that's like Daytona Beach, a Sturgis. Uh, no, you don't. You don't do that and think unless you got a suicide wish. I mean, I well, guess that's much. Western South Dakota is extremely 
even more conservative than the eastern side where where I live, and extremely pro Trump. So, to yeah. uh, I mean, there's just there's just no backing down. So, well, there's an unbelievable revival going. Uh, on within a lot of the outlaw motorcycle clubs, especially here in Detroit. But I mean, it's going out all over everywhere. And I think as part of that, coming from, you know, pioneering one of the first evangelical Christian motorcycle clubs and then seeing four years, 40, 40 years later, the effect that, that ministries like mine had made within the biker community. Most of the bikers, the reason why they became such a rebellious lot separate from societies because they had grown up in the 50s idealistic many of them went to vietnam a lot of bikers are, are veterans and they come back shattered seeing the realities of of a war that had never been similar before ever and uh it caused them to be uh how can i put it very skeptical of mainstream society um it's almost like they had one eye open to see the realities but they lacked the hope that there was uh you know that there was hope so they would get tattoos ftw you know f bomb the world um and they had a rebellious attitude towards a system that was corrupt they could see that it was corrupt so they're going to fight against it so this the whole biker subculture was a i guess a lifestyle rebellion against the hurt of seeing a society that was hypocritical. Now, when Christian biking came in, it gave them a new opportunity for a new hope. And slowly but surely, my gosh, there are outlaw motorcycle clubs right now that have been involved in a lot of organized, uh, let's just say things that, you know, weren't like Boy Scouts. Right. Now they have chaplains that represent a spiritual side and input that they want. Now, keep in mind, you know, when when during the Vietnam War, we were all in our 17, 18, maybe early 20s. Now they're grandpas. They got grandkids. They got kids. You know, they've seen and mellowed out. They love the old America that most young people have never seen or never known. So their clubhouses have changed. You know, they've toned down a lot of the, the blatant hedonistic kind of stuff. And they've turned into grandpas and grandpas, grandmas and grandpas that care about their family, that want to see a better life. They remember the old America. And so they're they're leaning towards a God-centered uh, lifestyle. Sure, they still like their booze and they like to party. But, I mean, man, they got one foot headed towards the kingdom and they're open to it. Now, recently, some of the hardcore outlaw clubs in the Detroit metro area – they not only want a chaplain to represent them, they have to be born again. And now some of them are insisting that they be filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh -huh. Who would have? I mean, I'm talking about big, bad outlaw clubs. <laughs> this is what they want. This is the direction they're headed for. That's why they're Trump supporters. That's why they are conservative. And that's why they're some of them are Bible thumping and you don't even realize fully that they are. Right. It's hilarious. I look at it and I go, my God, look what I started. This is, I never thought I'd see the day of this. This is amazing. I had a, a prayer list of 150 bikers that I prayed for. And even after the, my involvement in the club and, you know, kind of broke away, um, I kept praying for that on that prayer list. Now, 40 years later, 
more than half of the people on that prayer list are ordained ministers preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. It's just incredible. Bikers are going to play a significant role in maintaining peace during a time of rioting. You watch. You mark my word. They're going to rise to the occasion, and they're going to be doing good. They really are. I'm excited. Well, they already are. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. But, uh, hey, I was just looking at this. Um, I sent you guys a link. It's uh, called <clears throat> Starlink is the uh, the thing for that 8G uh, satellite grid system that you can, you know, be a beta tester for. Anyway, um, <laughs> these satellites are incredible. They, uh, yeah. they have uh, ion uh, thrusters powered by Krypton, which I think is interesting. Super Are you serious? Yeah. Come on, man. That, that, DC comic. Yeah, <laughs> that enable the satellites to raise orbit, maneuver in space, and deorbit at the end of their useful life. Starlink is the first Krypton-propelled spacecraft ever flown. Krypton. Yeah, Krypton. What is, what I mean, so I obviously know Krypton from that the was, definition yeah, of Superman, was... but Krypton in terms of an actual... It's a real element. terminology. Yeah. It's an element. It's an element. Uh huh. I, it's I probably. Did, I, a, didn't, I didn't even realize it was an element. Yeah. Well, it's it's not in our elementary table, but it may be a, a hybrid creation right. or something. Yep. That's what I'm thinking. Because <laughs> unless unless we got a very productive space secret space program that's already mining kryptonite from Krypton or something. <laughs> I, was, I thought <laughs> it was a. No, no, it isn't. Well, it's just that was fabricated. It was make-believe, but it doesn't oh, no, mean that no. there is. I mean, I'm talking about Krypton. I always thought it was an element. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, it's atomic number of 36. Not so far, but maybe now. Maybe it's a now. colorless yeah. and odorless, tasteless, noble gas that occurs in trace amounts in the atmosphere. is often used with other gas, rare gases and fluorescent lamps. With rare exceptions, Krypton is chemically inert. So, wow. Okay. Yeah. All right. I learned, I learned something. Yeah, me too. Yeah, me too. Well, you know, but the thing is uh, that still it may be in a gas form, but then that means they can transform it into other various forms if they have access to zero point free energy, which they we know that they do. So, wow. Cool. Oh, it's one of the byproducts of uranium fission. Okay. Oh, okay. that explains a lot. Solid yeah. krypton is white and has a face-centered cubic crystal structure, which is comic property of all noble gases, except helium, which has a hexagonal cross, cross excuse me, close-packed crystal structure. This is an interesting subject. Anyway, it is, um, yeah. yeah, so that's how they're going to maneuver those things out there. You know, I, I've often wondered, and you know, we, we when you read about in Revelation that the uh, stars are going to fall from the sky, and it says they're going to hit the earth, and if you look up the wording, it's like almost like when a plum falls off a tree. You know, it uh, that's the sound it's going to make when they hit, just like a thud. You know? Now, is that an angel falling, or is that maybe the sky net that, uh, you know, it's it's going to appear to be a star up in the sky, you know? Um, is that is that God bringing down the uh, the satellite system that the uh, the enemy is using as a communication base? 
or is it in fact really angels that are you know are falling well, to the earth? It's it's interesting. That's the you know, Dave. That's the interesting interesting thing about Pardis. It could be both. Yeah, yeah. And and uh, and I that's what I that's the side that I'm leaning towards. That I think it's both. It's it both of them etymology wise fits totally into prophecies, where some are literal, some are figurative. So I I think it includes both. I really do. And it wow. can be supplied by scriptures that way. It's pretty uh-huh. interesting. One application for one situation and one for another situation. Uh, we know the fallen angels, you know, they they cast down their um, their heavenly status. They cast down their physical bodies and became like us again, which, you know, that was kind of a no-no. Um, uh-huh. So when the past or when the future creates the past, the present has to be revealed. Right. Um, that's what we're that's what we're in right now. We're getting more and more revelation of the present because we need to know why and how we're in the situation we're in. And it's because there's been a paradox in space time by an intrusion, by an right. invading it. And so we're seeing that. And then the other part, too, is the technology is part of the rebellion. So that is also going to be. Um, challenged and matched and you know they're the losers we're studying the effect of losers when i see christians getting all upset oh my gosh what are we going to do um grab a bag of popcorn and sit there and watch the fruit loop show because we already won they just don't know it right and now realize it they've already lost it they don't know it so i think it's funny that's where i default to my alter ego albert e newman what me worry well that's yeah right. usually yeah. usually you lash out when you know that you're gonna lose right yes right. Yep, that's 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 how you know it's 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 uh, the end showtime. So you lash out because you've lost. Yeah, that's well, true. I think I think the elite, the elite humans on this world right now, they see all of their hopes and dreams dashed to pieces if Trump has four more years. They know they're not going to survive it. Yep. And those that have faith in their new age belief systems. They are quietly going, well, no, this is on plan. You know, we got a surprise coming and you don't see it. Uh, yeah, you know what? <laughs> we do see it. Some of us do. Right. And, yep. It sucks to be you, pal. It's all I can say. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> beast of the feast. Man. I, I like that term. <laughs> <laughs> sucks to be you <laughs> uh, just keeping it real man that's what we say in the hood we're just keeping it real yeah right you right. don't hold back anymore jim that's okay <laughs> i like it <laughs> it is what it is right well you yep. know that's almost you know i've i've prayed about that and the lord has gifted me with a good sense of humor a good brain but above all I don't want to do anything out of the parameters of what he wants. I want to, I want to get it right. And he's telling me, I've made you an, an <laughs> I've made you a kindly, godly, smartass, and that's what I want you to start being. You're going to yeah. offend people. I, I had a situation one time, and it, it always stuck with me. I had a mentor, um, the church that that um, ordained me, one of the elders there, um, Bruce Toddler. A godly man, a very wise man. I, I, he's one of the wisest men I've ever known. And I was uh, honored that I could be mentored under him. And he gave me a lot of good um, advice and a lot of good wisdom. But one thing 
that really ticked me off. He used to refer to, now, most of my understanding of inner healing counseling came from uh, the Catholic Charismatic Renewal. Uh, and I know that, you know, they were kind of reckless and careless on some things and a little spurious. Uh, and and he used to call them charismaniacs. Mm-hmm. And that really offended me. And I asked him about it one time. And he says, listen, rather than for me to try to explain a lot of different things, I knew that was going to rattle your chain. But I want you to remember something. They're very careless and reckless with their doctrine. And they don't go back to check everything chapter, text, and verse in the Bible. And you're going to see a time when they're going to start getting off into some crazy experiential things that they're not referring back to the Bible. I wanted you to remember that, and I knew that if I pissed you off, you would remember it. Right. And I go, wow, that is so true. Man, when he passed away, I mean, he left such a big void in that church. Sometimes you don't know what you got until it's gone. Yeah, exactly. And I remember that for all the rest of my life so that when I did start to experience these negative things, I remembered what he said because of the way he said it. Not any reason more than than that. And then I appreciated what he was trying to tell me now. And that's not to bash the Catholic charismatic renewal for all their recklessness. I think they've shored that up mostly mostly. And it's thanks to them that there are many Catholics now that soon as they start, as soon as the Pope starts promoting this, cosmic Christ when he comes, they're going to separate themselves finally from the Catholic Church ties. Right. You know, I guess, uh, you know, better than I do, because you come from a Catholic background somewhat. I never did. I came from a Darwin background. So this is all new, new stuff for me. But but I've known through the years that it seems like the Catholics get their hooks in it. And boy, they never, you know, it never lets go. It's hard to break away from it because you've had a lifetime uh, condition to it. But there is going to be a breaking away. There's going to be those that are the faithful remnant from every denomination. I say even in the Mormonism, I know Mormons that are born again. People that argue with me, I know they are. I know they uh-huh. have a personal relationship with Jesus. Even though their theology is wrong, their love for Jesus isn't. The fruit that they have in their lives isn't. So theology is what messes us up between one another. And Satan is the one that he loves theology. He loves us to beat up each other over, you know, our differences and ideas and everything. But I always default to the fact that you will know them by their fruit. If somebody is, has a love relationship with Jesus and they're bearing fruit, I can't come against that. I think that their theology is ridiculous, but I'm not going to come against the love they have for him and the fruit that seems to be bearing in their, in their life. And so I'm commanded to have love and respect to that person as a family member, not to beat them up and call them a whoop in sheep's clothing. You're in false, you know, blah, blah, blah. You know, no, right. it's this, right. this is a time when there's an ecumenical movement by man where every, you know, God, whoever you conceive him or her to be. And then there's another movement by the spirit of God where all of a sudden the methodology of some of our theology doesn't mean anything. It's the love we have for Christ and the willingness that we're willing to serve him for. That's going to be the the bond and the unity that that God is trying to create. So there's two gatherings coming together. One's a wheat and one's a tares. One's a religion, one's a relationship. Right, right. That's so true. That's so true. Yeah, you know, you run into well, you run into it in churches all over the place. Mm-hmm. You know, not just the the Catholic um, uh, people that you run into, but you know, even in your own church. You know, you run into the pew sitters, the ones that just come in there to do their 
their weekly thing uh, to make God happy, or they think they're making God happy. And then they go about their merry lives and sit all week long and then come back and and fulfill the, their Sunday commitment. And then, oh, and don't forget, uh, you know, the holidays, too. They come in for the holidays. Um, but, um, you know, so it's uh, – and then there's the ones that, you know, that that think they're faithful and appear to be faithful, but, you know, they're they're not really faithful. It's – uh and, you know, you got to be careful because God really knows the truth about who who is what and everything else. I mean, some of it is pretty evident, you know, with the fruit stuff like that. Yeah. You know, I mean, if the if a guy if a single guy comes into a church and he's hitting on all the church women, you know, uh, even the married ones, you know, you can pretty well determine that uh, uh, he's not uh, not one of us, so to speak. Um, yeah. You- you know, and uh, but uh, you know, it's 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 all in uh, the, the eyes of God and in the hands of God too. But at the same time, um, I remember I had never seen it before, um, and I went to a Calvary Chapel one time. I was I was church searching, and uh, they were in the middle of doing a correction, a Matthew 18 correction, and uh, so there was a guy that was trying to hit on some of the married women in the church. And, um, you know, they found out about it. So um, the husband approached the guy. The guy just basically told them to blow off. Um, the uh, two or three elders went and talked with him. And he he he, uh, he told them, basically, you know, he wasn't going to capitulate. Yeah, strike three. Uh, yeah, and then. But then he, he seemed to come around like he was he was going to change, but he never did. And so the particular Sunday that I went there, they were kicking him out. <laughs> oh. And, uh, but the pastor was really good about it. He explained the whole process. He says, you know, we found out about this. The husband has tried to, you know, to try to reason with this man. Hasn't worked. You know, we sent two or three elders. Hasn't worked. You know, we brought it before the church. It has, hasn't worked. And now um, he has been told that he can never come back here again. And, uh, and, and that was fine. I was like, wow, this is really neat. This is the way it's supposed to work. Yep. You know, and, and I'd never seen that because I went to AG churches for, for a long time. And basically if, if, especially if it was one of the pastors that was blowing it, you know, they would just quietly remove him and send him to another church 40 or 50 miles away where nobody heard of him, you know, and not, not much unlike the, uh, with many times happens in the Catholic church. Um, but, um, and I always laugh because, you know, they're Protestants. A lot of times are the first ones, you know, to, to call, uh, Catholics, idol worshipers and, and everything else, you know, Pope worshipers and the whole nine yards and, the, and, the, and, you know, accuse them of faulty doctrine, but it happens just as much in the, uh, in the Protestant church as it does in the, uh, in the Catholic church. So it's, uh, sure. There's enough hypocrisy to go around for everybody, I guess. Amen to that. You know, <laughs> you know, the church has never been effective until they're unified. And the only way they get unified is by a challenge to their faith. It's only in persecution that we become unified. We need motivated. We're not motivated until we're put under persecution. So <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's giant spanking time. 
Yeah, giant spanking spanking. I like that one. Yeah. <laughs> and our giant spank Civil War. Yep. Yeah. yeah I That's think good. Very short lived, maybe two months. Like David Wilkerson said, there'll be a time when the cities will be on fire. Uh, you're going to store up, you're going to need to store up uh, medical supplies, um, uh, water, and and food. So right. if you have two months storage, you know, you're good to go. I, and I think that's what he's talking about. And my gosh, I think that's what we're on the verge of. I truly believe that um, when, uh, I, well, we know, I, I know God's plan. So, you know, Trump is going to win. But, um, War is going to be a result afterwards. They're going to they're going to go bananas. They're going to go they're going to go flipped out completely, and right. there'll be a war. It's going to be a very short war, but it will be one because I guess the only way some Christians can see that the United Nations really isn't an international humanitarian peace effort is by having them come into our country, slap us around and abuse us for two months, and then you're going to get a clue of what's really going on. Then maybe many of you that hold to uh, Christian theology that has caused you to divide yourselves and call each other hateful names of wolves in sheep's clothing and, and other things like that. Maybe finally you will cast down your theology, see the fruit, and know that we need to be united, that that's the only way that we're going to be an effective church. If that's what it takes to bring us together, please, Lord, hurry up and get this over. It's like getting a tooth pulled or a um an abscess tooth pulled, you know, it's going to hurt like heck in the beginning, but boy, does it feel so much better afterwards. Right. Um, yeah, definitely. That's, you know, that's what I think we're going to be faced with. We're going to, God has to get us all on the same page and we have to cast down those things which divide us and seek out unity and the things which unite us. And that is to get together and preach the gospel in all the world. And then the end shall come. I want this to end, man. Let's bring us uh, Satan out in the open. Let him call him for what he is. Uh, let's have a battle. I see the battle in the scriptures. We get we get the first three and a half years where we kick his butt, and then it's given unto him to kick our butts. But then we overcome him by the word of our testimony, the blood of the Lamb, and we love not our lives even unto death. I'm good with that. That's a good way to go. Right. As a matter of fact, I think that's pretty cool. Uh-huh. It beats slipping on a car soap and, and knocking my noggin out, and, and for what? For nothing. We're just. <laughs> Couldn't hold bar soap. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> hey, I just got a, uh, a uh, what do you call it? A chat from uh, Win song. She said, uh, just so you know, um, Rosh Hashanah this year is September 18th through 20th, so it'll be sundown September 18th. Yeah, I was gonna, I was actually gonna mention that to you, Dave, because I had mentioned, I think that on in a, something that my brother had sent to me, and right. you said no, it had already taken place. Yeah, but it's I know. Not. I was confused. Um, Yom no. Kippur will be September 27th through 28th, 2020. And I asked her what, oh, here she is. According to Jewish calendar, I got online Sukkot, which is the uh, Feast of Tabernacles, which is probably Ooh, when Jesus was born. Uh, no. It's October 2nd through 10th, I guess. Yeah, 2020. I think it's, I think it's interesting because, you know, I had a, well, it, it was a very lucid dream probably the most lucid of all the the dreams that i had uh last year in 2019 on right around that i think it's on the night of september 20th that i went to bed and i don't know if it you know the dream took place you know before midnight or after into the 21st but uh it was the one that i think i had described to you guys about the uh what i could describe as an angelic encounter where it, uh, an angel 
basically was hugging me, came into the interview and was hugging me and kissed me right on the on the forehead. Uh-huh. And it was it was so real that uh, that I actually felt it and it actually woke me up in wow, my bed. That's awesome. <laughs> so that's pretty wild, right? <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the thing about Sukkot, which is neat, is when um, it has a dual meaning. It's uh, uh, well, it has, a tr- it has three meanings, actually, because it celebrates, uh, you know, when they had to build temporary shelters during the 40 years out in the desert. It commemorates the first coming of God coming to live with his people. Um, uh, Emmanuel, God with us, you know, in uh, the time of Jesus' birth. And it also commemorates when he will come down to be with man forever, you know, in the new heaven and the new earth. Uh, also, I, it probably would, maybe there's a fourth meaning, because when he comes down for the millennium, technically God is going to be on the throne, you know, because he is God um, for that thousand years. So, um it's got a fourfold meaning, actually. It's kind of neat. It's probably one of the only holidays that does. Wow. That's pretty awesome. So what about September 23rd? Anything? That anything would be, with? well, that would be, um, that falls into, uh, that's weird because I thought Rosh Hashanah was, was or Yom Kippur was like the day after Rosh Hashanah ended, but um, that's on the twenty. So no, there's nothing between the twentieth and the twenty seventh. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. So that's weird. And it another, seems another thing that I I learned um, I wasn't aware of. It's really weird. I thought I was I knew a lot of stuff, but uh, the whole month of Elul prior to um, Rosh Hashanah is a month of reflection of your your past year, you know, according to Jewish uh, law, you know, uh, the real law, not the not the oral tradition, um, where you you know you think about everything you've done, and then on uh, you have the new year, and then on <clears throat> uh, Yom Kippur is when you reflect on uh, the forgiveness. So, or you have your fast, basically, if you're Orthodox or a non-completed Jew, you have your fast. Um, we always have a, uh, a dinner because we're forgiven. You know, we're, we're forgiven. We don't have to worry about all that stuff. So, um, but, uh, yeah. And Eric, when you had your angelic visit, it was on the same night because the night started at sundown, according to the Jewish calendar. So. Right, yeah, I couldn't. I couldn't tell you. Obviously, I was. I didn't. It should have maybe looked at the time when I woke up, but. Um, right. But yeah, it. It was pretty wild. That's all I got to tell you. Yeah, angelic visitations always are there. And you know what's funny is you don't feel afraid. You no, know, you... and that that was the thing. I was not. I was not afraid. I. My sense was I was more being um, comforted and loved. Um, so, yeah, I, um, cause I could always tell the difference, you know, when you had, um, you know, the, the demonic thing where, uh, they would come in and, uh, you know, the, the classical, um, alien abduction scenario where you, you get paralyzed and frozen and you can't move or talk or anything. And, 
um, the fear that goes through you when that happens as opposed to the uh, the comfort and the peace that you feel from a real angelic uh, a godly angelic uh, visitation I should say yeah so, I, I, I don't know about you but I actually I haven't had any of those in a real long time so I, mean, I think they uh, they gave up they realized it was a lost cause yeah <laughs> exactly <laughs> for their agenda anyway but. yeah I can remember the the very last time um it was a uh, a night where there were three separate attacks, one right after the other, and uh, and you know I just kept praying and rebuking and praying and rebuking and and um, and I, I I I kid you not, it was this the cheesiest thing I've ever heard, but um, the last time after you know they were finally gave up. You know, I could actually hear the sound of like a, uh, you know, like an old 50s movie, a beep, beep, beep above my house. And that started me laughing. And I'm like, oh, come on, guys. You know, this is like you're, you're trying to make this into a 1950 BS, a scientific B film. You know, well, I said, well, yeah, don't, said, don't they you? know what year it is? <laughs> I said, you're, you're leaving, making me laugh. This is hilarious. <laughs> that's really the last experience that I can remember and that was many years ago um, God man let's see it had to be uh, like 2006 maybe 2005 hey Jim I remember one time we, we got back from I got back from Roswell and um, I went out the back door and I looked to my left and there was this box floating up in the air and it was spinning like on one of its corners and it was reflective you know, and I'm like, man, I just got back in and you, you guys are still trying to convince me that you're real. You know, <laughs> I, says, I says, it ain't going to work. You know, this is stupid. <laughs> you know? So the last time I had any kind of a. Um, I guess a lucid, you know, I was it wasn't a dream, it wasn't a vision, it was an actual reality um, of anything supernatural in a dramatic way happened to me was. When I was living in Roswell, and I was uh, uh, a maintenance um, man at a Christian um, school, it was in a church, and uh, I was working days, and it was just very hard because I had to dodge teachers and kids and all this kind of stuff. So I convinced the staff that, look, you know, you've, you've seen my work, you've seen my character, you know, I'm, I'm honest. Can you give me keys? Can I come in in the wee hours of the night and, and I can blow through this, get it much done, much quicker, more efficient in less time. And I said, okay, we'll, we'll try it. And so I did. And the first night, everybody was warning me, Oh, we got baby ghosts here. Oh, they're cute. They're, they're not bad. I said, are you, am I really hearing this from you? I mean, you're a Christian, right? Yeah, but, you know, we do have these, and they're cute. They're just, I said, boy, you just don't get it, do you? I said, no, the, there's no, Casper is not a friendly ghost. There are no friendly ghosts. These are demonic entities, you know, um, seducing or, you know, whatever. They've got you, Buffalo, that's for sure. I said, well, whoever or whatever they are, they're going to deal with me one night, and that's about all they're going to deal with me. I'm not buying it. I'm, I know who they are and where they're from. So I'll be darn it. First night that I went in there, 
um, first they started playing games with the, the lights. I would go in room one room, leave the light on so I could come back in. You know, my hands might be full, and so I left the light on so I could just come in and, and do the work, and it would be off. I'd go in another room that was off, and now it's back on. So we played this game, and I said, okay, guys, you know, quit playing these stupid games. I'm way beyond this. So I went into the nursery and flicked the light on. And as soon as I did, every electronic electronic toy in that place all came on at the same time. So I'm hearing Barney going, oh, I love you, you love me, and, and all these little swings and everything else going on at the same time. And I started laughing. I said, are you serious? What, is this supposed to scare me? I said, hey, as a matter of fact, how about if I scare you? Remember the last time when you, when there was a big flood and all of a sudden your physical bodies were dying and you were drowning in water and you're going, help, help. I said, well, I've got something that will literally scare the heck out of you right now. The next time you go swimming, it's going to be in a lake and fire and it's going to be forever. Now that ought to scare the hell out of you. So you leave me alone now in the name of Jesus and don't ever come back again. And they never did. <laughs> that, was just, oh, that was just so funny i wished i would have had a i don't know a, a hel helmet cam or something on you know to just that would have been america's funniest home video it would have i would have won i i know i would have that was just hilarious i'll bet yeah <laughs> that's pretty awesome <laughs> oh Never man Never a dramatic manifestation. Now, of course, I, I did have one infiltrate my uh, Bible study group on, on a Friday nights to the point where they kidnapped me. And, you know, uh, uh, do you know how demeaning that is? My Bible study group kidnapped me. <laughs> I mean, who, who has that kind of stuff happen to them? Right. Uh, Got to get that spirit of Calvinism out of you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, they're... they're some of the people, it's it's incredible because, and this has caused me to have a new emphasis on people as I'm mentoring or working with them. These people were brilliant as far as coming together and connecting dots and everything. But what it really reduced down to is many of them had, they knew about God, but they didn't know him in intimacy. They didn't have a deep interpersonal relationship. They're just studying this thing as an outsider looking in. Then later on, I find out one of them was a member of a Wiccan uh, coven. Um, and Lord, you know, I had been asking, Lord, what am, how did this happen? What am I, you know, what, what did I do wrong? What, you know, what are you trying to show me in all this? And basically I was set up right from the beginning and I was just so not really naive, but just willing to meet everybody halfway so that they might, you know, mature in christ or come to christ and right. so i you know i'd have all these people coming and we were working as a team doing research together and studying the bible together and i was even showing them how to use the bible study program and everything on, on a couple of them that showed interest and uh but what i didn't know he told me and i still don't know who the individual is i've got my ideas but you know god hasn't specifically told me and i'm, I'm not pressing him for it he'll let me know in the time but he said that one of them wasn't even human they were a Nephilim, and they had infiltrated my study and influenced everybody else into leading them down this path of weirdness. Right. Um, right. And of course, one was an ally with her, uh, him, uh, whatever, uh, because I later found out that she was uh, a member of of a coven. Now, I had two other people that I had witnessed to doing the uh, uh, shows at Gibraltar Trade Center, and they came in and they asked me about um, certain books that I had. Some of these 
don't go out of the house because they're irreplaceable. One of them is Albert Pike's uh, Morals and Dogma, a version that it says right on the front cover, because you can get it from a, a bookstore, but you're right. getting an edited version. I had an original version that says, if you have this and you are not a, a member of the Masonic Lodge, you must turn this in right now. It's forbidden for you to have ownership of this book, blah, blah, blah. Well, yeah, right. Like, I'm going to turn it in. I don't think so. It's mine. I inherited it from an estate uh, of an occult scholar, and I got all of his books. So I had all of Helena Bablaski's books. I had all these different occult books, and uh, I studied them um, because that's part of what I've been called to do. And and they knew exactly where the book was, and they picked it up. They said, I want to take this. I said, no, that's a reference book. It doesn't leave this house. You can have the best intentions and wanting it and, and whatever, but if you lose it, it's irreplaceable. I can't allow this to go out of the house. How did they know exactly where it was and to pick it up? You know, I mean, this is like, okay, this is a tip off right here. I'm seeing right. more than what had happened. So it was a conspiracy thing, you know, and, and I've shared this with some people and they look at me like, okay, you are one fry short of a happy meal here. And well, last time I'd ever see him, but you know, that we're warned in the Bible in the book of Jude, that there's going to be in the last days, these people walking in our midst, twice dead, plucked up by the roots, wanting stars to reserved everlasting darkness, uh, clouds without water. Those are three definitions for non-human entities, and they are steering mankind towards a one world government, one world religion, one world economic system. Right. Well, if I have the ministry that I think I have, why would I not be aware or think about these things that you could be infiltrated, dude. I was, I wasn't, you better believe I'm prepared now. Right. <laughs> Let that again. There you go. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's part of on the job training. This is how we learn and, and we grow into things. We don't arrive at some pinnacle and where all of a sudden, you know, we're larger in charge and know everything that never happens. We learn by doing, we learn by failure, but we learn by being humble and saying, okay, I goofed up this time. You know what? God gives grace to the humble and resists the proud. I can't afford to be proud. I need all the grace I can get. Okay, let's get over this one. I goofed it. I, you know, what didn't destroy me makes me stronger. So I'm going to learn from this and I'm going to be better at it in the future. But yeah. And I think right now, especially, God's got rapid growth on all his children. He wants us to learn quick and learn fast because what we're about to face a few months away. Yeah. We need to be ready. We need to be emotionally uh, set free so that we can deal with these things. It's one thing to know it in the word. It's one thing, another thing to actually have to go through it and experience it. And that's what I think our program is unique in the fact that we try to address the emotional preparedness where everybody else, you know, they got your doctrine, your doctrine, and your theology in order. And this is what the word says. And so what we're going to have to go through, you know, so store up your food, store up, you know, this is get more ammo or whatever. But how many are addressing, are you psychologically prepared? How is God going to move in your life to get you set free and ready? You're going through trials all of a sudden in your marriage, all of a sudden stuff that you thought, you know, you just, you know, left behind and moved on. Now, all of a sudden, it's coming back up. Why? Because God wants to do a final resolution, a final uh, end to that situation so that both of you can be free to encounter the things that are coming up ahead. So God's doing a lot of different things in all of our lives. He's trying to clean things up so that we can have an emotional stability and a faith that is going to be uncompromising in a world that is going to be changing every day. Man, gosh, if the pandemic hasn't taught us one thing— Overnight, things can change drastically. 
We right. have to have this ability where we're emotionally not going to change. We're going to stand on the word of God. We're going to know him personally. And we're not going to waver in our faith. We're going to be a strength for others to be able to cling to us as a source of stability. Yeah. Um, we follow Christ and then we expect others to be able to follow us. Like Paul said, you know, follow me because I'm following Christ. That's a tall order to fulfill, but we can get in that place. We're not going to be sinless, but it means our goal is to sin less. Right. And if that's our goal, then the avenue, the golden door of opportunity is unlimited. We can do right. all things. Christ, the manifestation of the sons of God. That's what when all of us got to do. So I'm done preaching because I'm, well, you know, it's a long time. Yeah, it is. But uh, real quick, you know, I, I, I've always been, um, well, especially when I was younger and not so much anymore, but um, a kind of or a type of perfectionist. You know, I if I don't get something done right the first time, I'm, I keep improving on it until it's basically as close as good, perfect as it can be. And um, and I've always said that, you know, as as believers, we're not, we, we know we have to realize we'll never pertain, uh, obtain perfection. But that doesn't give us an excuse not to try to attain it. Exactly. Yeah. You know, we 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 are called to attain it. Be be holy as I am holy. The Lord says. Well, you know, we're never going to attain pure holiness. We're, I mean, we're made holy through the blood of Jesus. Okay. But yeah. at the same time, we're called to walk a holy life. Now, yeah, we're going to blow it from time to time, and that's when the time the times when the grace of God comes in through the, the shed blood of Jesus, the covering. Uh, excuse me, the washing away. We're not covered. We're washed. We're washed clean. But um, you know, so th- those are the things that you know. We realize that you're never going to be perfect, but try it anyway. Just try it, and and. Um, and realize that at the times when you do fail, you know, you're covered by grace. But that doesn't mean that you don't get back on that bike and try to do it again. Unless he's unless you were try, trying to do something on your own merit and he didn't want you to do that. But if he's called you to do something and, you, and you've fallen down off that bike, you know, get back up on that bike and, and, and start riding it again. Because it's important because that he's trying to use that, that bike to take you from one place to another. And if you get off it or if you decide to walk instead of ride the bike, you know, or something like that, yeah, you may get where you're going. It'll take you longer. But, you know, he, he gives us tools and instruments to use, and he wants us to use them all the time. And uh, so, you know, my philosophy has always been, you know, I'll never be perfect, but I'm going to darn well try to be. And uh, and it's worked out pretty good, actually. I mean, now sometimes I have to be careful because um, – you know, the, the old pride kicks in, you know, and I and then I'm trying to do it on my own merit. And, and of course, that's going to fail. And if it succeeds, it means nothing, you know, and it means nothing in the kingdom of God um, unless God can turn it around and use it. There's so many facets to this this conversation, you know, or this idea that, you know, it, it would take forever to try to understand it. But um yeah, you know, just if if you're tired and you're weary and stuff like that, well, that's when God can use you the best. Because when you're tired and you're weary, it means that you're not trying to do it on your own merit. You want God's help. So, mm-hmm. by golly, ask him for the help, you know, and he'll give it to you. He really will. He, he delights in helping his children. He really does. Because he knows that when he helps us and we attain something that he wants us to do or uh, some place that he wants us to go or something like that, 
that he's actually getting the glory. That's what we exist for is to bring him the glory and the honor and the majesty, you know, and to love him at the same time. It's it's a very complex um, uh, relationship that we have with him. It really is. And I don't think we'll ever fully understand it until we get to heaven. And then even then we might not even fully understand it. But um, all I got to say is that any God that was willing to come to earth and die for me and and uh, and forgive me of my sins uh, perpetually, um, well, he's a God worth worth serving. And uh, that other guy that's running around um, like uh, really good. Uh, if you look at uh, Biden and, and Trump, you see a really good illustration of what uh, the devil and, and Jesus look like. You know? <laughs> Because yep. the, de- the devil makes the same mistakes. He he trips up on his speech and his, on his talk, and he uh, he can never get anything right. But, you know, um, God plans ahead and has known everything that he wanted to do since the foundation of the earth, just like Trump knows everything he wants to do because he's a very good businessman. And some might argue that he's he's been to the future um, and he's seen what happens and he, he's learned from that. He's trying to, to live accordingly. So that he can um, he can govern properly, and um, so it's it's you know it's, there's light years of difference, just like there's a light year difference between Trump and Biden. Um, and there's a there's well you can't even say light years between between God and Satan because there's there's no comparison whatsoever. Um, but um, you know you could use that analogy to try to try to make some sense of out out of everything that's going on. Um, uh, there was a, a thing the other day where they they were asking Biden where he was going to go next, and he didn't know. He had to turn around to his staff and say, "Hey, where, where are we going?" You know, <laughs> like, well, where are we going Lord, today, Mister Wizard? If you love us, Lord, you will not let this man get a single yeah. vote. <laughs> oh, goodness, yeah, it is pumpkin time, isn't it? Yes, sir, it is. Yep. Oh man, that that hour, two hours went quickly. Did go quick. It always well, goes we, too quickly. I hope the audience was having fun too. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, well, um, gentlemen, it's been real. It's been fun. It's been real fun. Uh, thank you, uh, Elwin Song, for being there and and for uh, offering the uh, the dates for the holidays. And I always tell her, you know, I say you're such a help. You know, because she's always. Yeah. Yeah, she's always there to help us out. And I'm like, wow, this is great. She's like our fifth fifth member, you know. <laughs> and and um, so, you know, I, I always like to encourage Elwin's song because she's she's awesome and she's uh, she's a dedicated, not just listener, but even a, more of a friend, you know. And mm-hmm. uh, so we really appreciate you, Elwin's song. And and uh, we know that you're for us and we're for you. Okay, so um, she, uh, by the way, she wanted to know if, um, if it's okay, Winsong, I'll ask this question. Uh, when she addresses you, does she, you know, does she write Pastor Jim or just Jim or how do you, how do you want to be addressed in a letter? You don't have to call me Pastor Jim. You can call me Jim. You can call me UFO Jim. No, it doesn't matter. Whatever you yeah, want to call me. I didn't think I- so. Yeah, I'm comfortable with just Jim. Okay. Oh, not just JUS team, but just Jim. Yeah. <laughs> Went to that in the hospital one time. You're just, you're just Jim. <laughs> yeah, I'm just Jim. No, not the just, just Jim. I mean, Jim, 
Jim, that's it. Not just. Drop the just. <laughs> that's hey, hilarious. You're not going to be, me, are you? you're not gonna be taking care of me, are you? You're just an administrator, please. Tell me that. <laughs> yeah, right. Somewhere else. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> there you go. Oh, oh, can I drop can I drop a movie uh, thing that people might really enjoy? Sure. Uh, Netflix. It's called. <laughs> okay, Jim, that was a great one. Awake, <laughs> above, above, awake. Oh, come on, it's a space one. The first, uh, the first people to Mars. Talk about uh, a, a a show. It's a secular movie. It's a uh, made for Netflix. I, I know about Netflix politics, and I think I agree, but I'm not going to shut myself off from some really good movies that they do present. One of them is a specifically made for net, by net, Netflix uh, thing. It's about the first manned flight to uh, Mars, and it includes five people as a team. Two of them, uh, one's from Russia, one's from uh, – Let's see, one's from Russia, one's from China, one's from um, Pakistan, United States, and then one from Canada. But the Canadian guy is actually, he was an African um, orphan that was adopted by a Canadian, um, a white woman. And this guy, he's Jewish loves the Lord, allows, he works his way into a team where all these people really don't like each other. They're very, you know, different cultures, different stuff, especially the Russian and Chinese automatically don't like the rest of them because they're the enemy and whatnot. By the end of the first season, 10, 10 episodes, they actually love each other. Huh. The experience that they had, the life and death situations, that the, the challenges they had, cause them to make themselves work together as a team if they were going to survive. It's the same thing that most combat veterans experience in a life-death situation like that. There were times I was in tears, man, at the, at the very end. It was just awesome to see what unity power can produce. And the fact that it was all centered around God, the one African guy, man, he got everybody into praying to the point where they were asking him to pray for them before they landed before they had this happen or that happen. The transformation in the in the ten episodes is just awesome. It was really a good lesson in the importance of unity. I I would highly suggest it to every Christian. This is an awesome movie for coming from a secular market, especially in these days. And who knows, maybe God in some providence had this set up so that we could use it as a lesson and on a visual understanding through a fictional movie, the importance of unity and what how Koinonia love can actually be produced when your lives are put on the line. And it kind of, for me, I got, I got a lot out of it that, you know, we're going to be, our lives are going to be put on the line, but it's for this same purpose that this, this group went through with these five people is what God's going to do with all of us. I think people will find a lot of uh, comfort in this movie. So it's called, <laughs> this is crazy. I can't remember the name of the movie. Um, I can find it here in a second uh, because I have it open in my. Okay, come on, come on, Netflix. There you are. I'm getting it. I'm getting it. It's almost here. Okay. 
Oh, so now you're going to make it hard for me to find? Come on now. Come on. Let's, let's, where is it? Oh, this is not fair. Why can't I find? <laughs> yeah, stay close. Me too. Stay tuned next week when I can actually find what in the heck I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> ridiculous. Oh, this could only happen to me right here, right now. When you know, my gosh. Oh, this is just too crazy. <laughs> well, it's way past pumpkin time. I had my time. I lost it. I blew it. What can oh, I well. say? Nope, you're I'll done. just save it for next week. Maybe it'll. Maybe <laughs> yes. it's not meant to be said until next week. You know. No, you know what? I will remember at four o'clock in the morning. I'll wake up from a dead sleep and I'll go. Oh, you know, it yeah. doesn't matter. Yeah, that's right. I mean, yeah. that's happening to anybody else, right? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Only on an hourly basis. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh brother! All yeah, right. Okay. Either that, okay. it was um, on Amazon Prime. I don't know, but I don't think it was. I think it was on this one, but I darned if I can find it. So I guess I lost it. That's it. Yeah, Netscape has a lot of uh, good time travel movies. They do. Yeah. Just got to type it's... in time travel movie, and then a whole list comes up, and it was. We've watched a couple of them. I won't go into it because it's past pumpkin time, but um, some. Did you ever see things. the Spanish one? Did you ever see uh, the Spanish one? El, uh, what is it? El, El Ministerio de, del Temporia, the administration of time. It's huh. made in Spain, and they've got American um, English subtitles. Although I tried to buy the whole series as a TV series, it is hilarious. It is awesome. Um, it's these doors that open up. And so the, the, this ministry of time travels through time. The, the father of Tommy Yakamata, Takamata ends up becoming one of the major key operatives in the 24, in the 20th century. Ooh. But, oh, and he goes back and tries to witness and share, you know, with his, uh, with his son. Oh, and, okay just doesn't get it this one guy is 16th century spanish conquistador who's uh, the most godly person in the whole thing um he ends up riding a harley in the 20th century you know and, and he rode through in the in the medieval times on a harley to escape uh takamata and it in, in an ancient tapestry it's got this guy on a harley going by and it was a fiery chariot that he was escaping into and it's it's it is hilarious but it's another one. Uh, teamwork, strange people put together and, and developing teamwork. But also it gives you an insight as to one time, you know, that the Spanish Empire was like the British Empire, was like the Roman Empire. They ruled the world at one time. Yeah, that's and right. So it just shows from a different perspective that whole thing. And you get a whole different appreciation of here's a foreign movie. And my gosh, they think the same way we do. They feel and have the same thoughts and science fiction and everything. The way they portrayed Americans, though, of course, you know, of course, when we developed the time travel thing, we started having tours going through and, and just watching everything. And, you know, for the thrills and everything, we just turned it into a big commercialized thing. I get I get the gist of it. I didn't wasn't offended by it. I thought, yeah, you kind of, kind of got the American opportunist. Uh, business aspect of us down anyway. <laughs> mm -hmm. It was movie. a movie called Away. Yes, thank you. Away. Okay, that was Elwood's song. She told. All right, us. thank you. 
again, my gosh, you're the <laughs> bail us out so many times. Thank you, my dear. <laughs> okay. Okay, uh, guys, we really should end it up here. All right. So, all right. All right. You guys have a blessed week. Audience, you have a blessed weekend, too. Um, we just hey, Eric, you. why don't you close us in prayer? Yeah. Because you, you, you talk too much. So, you know, we just <laughs> <laughs> please close in prayer, Eric, okay? Eric, are you there? <laughs> he left. Did he leave? Yeah. He probably thought we were closing. I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah, he's gone. <laughs> All right, well, you. <laughs> All right, okay. Lord, we just thank you, Father, for this time uh, that we got to share and we got the, uh, to share with our listeners and with each other ideas that you've given to us, um, your plans that you've given to us. And and uh, we're just so thankful that we're able to get those things from you and to disseminate them with uh, within our community and, and to our listeners. And we just thank you for using us. We hope that we're being your humble servants. And uh, we just uh, look forward to many years of continuing this and, and, uh, and doing your will, not ours. Uh, thank you for... Uh, Elwin song uh, that she was there and um, she helped us out so much tonight and uh, well we just pray a, a special blessings on all our listeners on all of our our members uh, all of us and um, and we just thank you and in, in deep gratitude thank you for saving us from the fires and for just being there to uh, to be uh, the Lord uh, the Lord God of everything the maker of all things and the preserver of all things and all people. And we just thank you and bless you in, in uh, Jesus' holy name. Amen and amen. Amen. Hey, Eric just, uh, Eric just IM'd me. He, his computer crashed. Oh, no. Or, or rather his, his uh, Skype crashed. Oh, so, okay. Well. So it, it knocked him off. So okay. well, that's God good bless you, Eric. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Eric. It's cool. Everything's cool. <laughs> I'm going to let him know that, too. I'll answer him back. Okay. All right. Good night, everybody. God bless. God bless. Good night.